Hey, hey, everybody. Oh, there's a lucky leprechaun in the hat. Wouldn't right. you know it, folks? All right, let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> okay, tone it down. Calm down. This is Talk First, Think Later. Yes. I'm Luke. I'm Ezra. That's Ezra. Hi. And the point of the show is we pull a random subject out of a hat that we may or may not know anything about, and then we'll talk about that subject. We're going to spew some nonsense, unless it's accurate. Yeah, we're going to try our best to spew some accurate things about that subject, and then later, in the second half of this podcast, we're going to go over what we said and see what we got right, what we got wrong, and anything else interesting we may find in our research. Yes, indeed. So it looks like you've already picked out a thing oh, out of the hat did. there. The history of photography. There you go. Okay, the history of photography. The history of photography. Photography. The history of photographer. The history of Frankfurt. That's cool. I like the history of photography. I like this one too. Yeah, mm-hmm. this should be good. Um. So the first photograph was very bad. In in fact, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when the first phototype? Photo phototype. I was thinking daguerreotype in my daguerreotype. head. Daguerreotype. Isn't that a photograph though it's an old school photograph yeah Yeah. it was one of the older types i don't know if it was the first kind of photograph but that's why i'm asking you now what was the first photograph type Um, thing it was of abraham lincoln it was an Abraham Lincoln. Was, what was it, though? Was no, it a it daguerreotype? it Abraham Lincoln. I, of course, I imagine the first photograph was a daguerreotype, unless it's like, oh, well, that technically isn't a photograph, so, but, you know. But it, was there something before the daguerreotype? Um, I have no idea. What about the camera obscura? There, what's the camera obscura? I don't know. I know the name. It's a band. I think it's actually was a primitive video. Was that the, in the sense that you could make a tiny pinhole and then, and then you could see, um, on the reflection of the pinhole, the outer world. If you have a tiny pinhole, right. And you're on the one side of the pinhole and whatever you want to see is on the other side of the pinhole. You can see it on the wall. Yeah, that might be right. On a little projector kind of thing. I have no clue. That might be right. That's a that's a thing, but you you couldn't obviously record it. Mm-hmm. But people would. Uh, it was theorized that people would do that. Put an image on a wall using this little using this little hole, which would in magically show this image like a projector outside the. Yeah, it's like a projector. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And then people supposedly were would paint over it so they could get an accurate image. Oh, that's cool. But I don't think that's true. Okay. I think we thought <laughs> we thought that might be true. Like it was a thing. Like, hmm, does this how it is this how it goes? I still don't totally know. I, I from it sounds like you've got a. I I don't quite get how that would work. That you look through a pinhole and then you see the outside world is what you said. So yeah, you're not looking through the pinhole. The light is going through the pinhole and it's hitting a wall and you're looking at the wall and there's the image of what is outside. Okay. And so you can basically trace it. Okay. Finally, I explained it. I was trying to think of a way to explain it without using go. like a visual representation. Oh, yeah, you got it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's think of some famous photographs that we know of that are important for the history of photography. There's like a thousand in the Vietnam War. Yeah, I was going to say the guy getting shot. Oh, yeah. By another guy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, by a, by a grizzly bear. <laughs> you know, that guy lived in America. He finished his life out in America. Uh-huh. And like the photographer was actually friends with him. Him, even after the photo 
Interesting. So when do you think the first photograph was taken? Let's think of some some people who we know that Abraham Lincoln had his picture. And he had his picture. And when was he around? He was around in the Civil War 1800s. times. hundreds. So that was the 1800s. Can we narrow that down a little? I mean, he was around in the 1860s, 1850s, you know? Okay, yeah. Was he the first president to get his picture taken? I think that... Who was before him? Andrew Johnson, James Buchanan, Andrew Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Bolton. It wasn't Andrew Jackson. Uh, there are a lot of Johns back then. This is oh, not well. good for out, uh, narrowing down. No, it's not. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> so I think that that was a rather good picture of Abraham Let's Lincoln. Let's say Abraham Lincoln. Let's assume that Abraham Lincoln was the first president to get his picture That's taken. That's fine. It's not a bad photo. You can see all the details. Mm-hmm. I think I remember a picture of the very first photo, and it was a road, and it was something like Oh, he left it out for hours and hours, and uh, you could kind of see the road. We started off just black and white, kind of yeah, crappy let's, looking pictures. Let's go pictures. from the beginning. And, yeah, way and, beginning. Yeah. So way beginning, let's say 1800, lower bound. And we think that's around when photography was like, ooh. Starting up. Starting up. Yeah. Uh, it was invented in France by a Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Louis. Louis Photos. Louis Photos. Louis Photos Cinco. <laughs> De- daguerreotype that seems like a yeah dagu- name. oh that that's why that's daguerre. why i felt like it was made by a frenchman yeah daguerreotype does sound french so um, let's say that and then it took a little while to get across the pond so let's let's move forward a little bit so we had better pictures for a while we when had- when were the first color pictures happening i don't know yeah <laughs> i i heard that there were color photos in world war ii but they were rare yeah, they had colored footage in World War Two, yeah. not just uh, photos. So there were probably color photos way earlier. Yeah, so like in in research labs, they may have had color photography in like mm-hmm. World War One, maybe even almost. Mm-hmm. Nah, maybe. So let's say the first color photo was nineteen seventeen. All right, sure. a little bit after World War One. Sure. That sounds good to me. Let's do it bef- during World War One. Okay. Then everyone's like, "Oh, I need to figure this." Out. Yeah, some some research. Yeah, went from from the war. Some important wartime research led Damn, to color we photography. Have no idea when color photography was. Watch there. us be close to the mark, though. I don't know. I think our, our so we know that there was color footage and photography in World War Two. Color footage, no less. Yeah. And then what's the next big like big epoch? Thing yeah. What's what's the next uh, uh, era? Well, probably... uh, Digital? I mean, we all had those stupid cameras with those bulbs that they popped and then you had to put another damn bulb in and they would get all over the ground after like an event. You know Wasn't I mean? that in, like, the 1800s, though? Yes, I think it was. Like that was real old-school stuff. So how did they get to the other thing? Maybe they did that. Did they still do that in the early 20th century? Like, did our grandfathers? I bet they did that in the early 20th century because I think I've seen it in a movie. <laughs> okay. So when was the first camera that was available to the public, do you think? You the know what? Public? I... What do you mean the public? Do you, like, do you mean, like, what, what... Like, accessible. Right. So, like, what made it so that you didn't have to have just a photographer yeah but anyone could do it yeah would that have been the kodak did kodak do that probably that sounds right i think kodak did that in world war ii (laughs) (laughs) so we have a dividing we have abraham lincoln first person to take a photo so we had the civil war yeah was the first photos what about the spanish american (laughs) we had yeah we've divided up the history (laughs) it happens to match perfectly (laughs) alongside the the great wars (laughs) (laughs) obviously if you're filming footage no wait a second if you're filming footage 
You can't have those dumb little light bulbs, can you? Yeah, I don't think so. Because otherwise you have to buy a lot of light bulbs. Now, Birth of a Nation was the first movie. And when was that? 1910s. Okay. Because Woodrow Wilson said it was his favorite movie because he's racist. Yes. So that was a movie. That was moving footage. The question is, were they still using the bulbs just because it happened to light it better as well? Or were they kind of done with it at the time? I think mm. they were still using the Flash. But yeah, I they did didn't too. have to. I, I agree with that. I, I and and I think what you're saying, your other theory is also right that it probably they could have used one thing for films and another for taking photographs because you mm. could get a better quality picture mm-hmm. using one method, but it wasn't practical for film. That makes sense to me. I love those the T shaped light that they would lift up and they'd put their head underneath this yeah. goddamn the cloth. Little, their their little house, their little hut. <laughs> <laughs> Say cheese. Where'd that come from? That's an important thing. Say cheese. In the history of photography. Yeah. Cheese. This is probably not true, but I heard that back in the day when people would always pose and look upset instead of looking happy in pictures. You know, all those... All those <laughs> Back in the day when all they those would do stuffy, that. All those stuffy-looking pictures yeah. from, you know, the 1800s. Uh, they would say, say prunes. So you, prunes? Your, your face would look like prunes. Your face does look like prunes. prunes. I've also heard that they didn't smile in photographs. There's a, there's a lovely photograph I've seen, a black-and-white photograph of a couple, and it's basically like a weird, like, photo booth thing where there's four of them, four pictures. One is the serious one, and the next thing is they're tickling each other and having a really good time. Uh-huh. And it's, it's strange to see that. All right, so we've we've separated out uh, the history of photography into, let's say, the prehistory of photography, yeah. which is cave paintings and all. <laughs> right, that's that's that that uh, is before any sort of photography could even. And then paintings, happen. paintings, uh huh, and paintings, and then that lasted for a while. Uh, (laughs) then we got to photography in what we're going to say was the early 1800s. And then we got extra photography. By that, I mean... mean, Color. No. I mean... Good. Good photography. Yeah, not daguerreotypes. Yeah, non-daguerreotypes around the uh, Spanish-American War. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've got... No, 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 no. The Spanish-American War was late 1800s. Yeah. Right. So Abraham Lincoln, I don't think, was daguerreotyped. You don't? And he was mid-1800s. No. Oh. Maybe he was, though. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. So anyway, then we got color photography Mm -hmm. in the 1910s, we're putting that, World War I. And then um, that's it. That was the end. No, no, that's not the end. There is. There's (laughs) things because there's film, but then digital was a big thing. Digital. Oh, no, no, no. Before digital was a big thing, you had uh, reels. You know, you had those strips of You mean like film as in movies? No, film as in like, you know, Kodak camera. It's like... and then oh, they, you have that's to rewind right. it and take it into the goddamn yeah. CBS. So, so the, the democratization of... Democratization? Yeah, the, the democratization of photography made it available for everybody. So so the Kodak camera, that was, let's say, the first consumer disposable camera. Disposable camera. I, no, it couldn't have been the first because disposable camera, for God's sakes, you know? Been I didn't like, say that it okay. was a disposable. Well, there we go. They did. I that's thought fine. that they did other things, too. No, you're right. Actually, you're right. 
I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. All right. What would it have been? What would the first consumer camera have been, if not a disposable camera? It was, I guess it was those, uh, those real nice looking old ones that you see the news reporters have. I was watching The Crown, and The Crown is a show about the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth. And I don't know when exactly she became queen, but right before, her father gave her a video camera, a video camera that she could hold in her hand. And it had those two big spools of tape that one goes into the other spool and she was just holding it around and it was simple it wasn't a problem so i'd imagine and she was very surprised to get it so i'd imagine that's a very expensive gift yeah but it was probably a uh, consumer available thing something that small it would have been very expensive though maybe and yeah so the thing is if it's yeah. very expensive it's not, it's not really accessible. accessible but it was a video camera it wasn't a photograph there and i know. think this was like the 50 how old is the queen now she's like she's like uh 175 she's 175 so this is, was in the 1860s <laughs> <laughs> when she ascended to the throne. <laughs> no, I think she's probably 90 something. I don't know. She's an old one. But she's got yeah, lots of dogs. Definitely before the 60s because we still had India. The sun still didn't <laughs> we, set on the British Empire. <laughs> us us <laughs> Brightons. <laughs> well, all right. So, so there's that. We had Instamatic cameras we had like the polaroids where you could instantly get a camera that was a quite a novel development when was that the 60s 70s i think the 70s I, but i'm basing that on nothing you know all right yeah i think you're right i think most of the times i've seen those polaroid pictures they look like somebody from the 70s <laughs> sure yeah they've got like those brown and orange color schemes and bell bottoms and yeah. afros Barack obama <laughs> I have you I haven't seen a Polaroid picture of Barack Obama. Are you oh yeah, about? Polaroids come out where you, they print it right there. <laughs> That's what I was just talking about. You were just saying Polaroids, what the f- dude. Did you even like listen to what I, that? I was just talking about for a while. I thought you were responding. You, no, I don't think they invented Polaroids in the seventies. I think they did it in the eighties. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Polaroids were around in the seventies. Okay. I, I was still thinking cameras that you take to CVS to develop them. <laughs> well, they still had those, too. Those were kicking around even yeah. when we were whippersnappers in we the roaring the 90s. I think the next big thing was digital yes. cameras. And they weren't very good at the start, and they were really expensive. And now they're the best. And they make life so easy because make it's just it so data easy. now, and you it's can just, just put it into a computer. But we haven't talked about <clears throat> the greatest camera of all, the one that shaped the world more than anything. What is that? The camera on your stupid phone. Oh, the selfie camera. Mm-hmm. The photographs yeah. that you take with your phone, mm-hmm. where now we get all these wonderful things around the earth and we can see what it looks get, like to see a car crash and we get instagram we get snapchat we get world star hip-hop thanks to these phones <laughs> and that's pretty much all anyone does anymore is look at yeah. videos of people with their damn phone so we've 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 reached the uh the peak photography has finally ascended in it's a, right in for way, role it as, has yeah as, uh, the yeah i get that's that's what most people do now all 2D, the time yeah. is just stare at 2d glowing rectangles anything more i don't think you call it photography yep Wait, what what yeah yeah i agree <laughs> all right this has gone on far too long, long enough far too long actually so so we'll see we, yeah. we didn't make too many hard and fast claims no uh, polaroids in the 70s says i 80s says luke uh, color photography world war one oh real quick what's the most famous photograph oh did you hear about the guy who sold a picture of a potato for like seven million dollars no all right that happened most famous photograph what do we think i think it's the guy getting shot in vietnam i guess so yeah I can you try. think of a more famous one? Oh, there's that girl with the, the the green eyes 
Yeah, that's, the girl, that's not photograph. as that's a beautiful photograph, but I don't think that's nearly as famous. Yeah, or has as much historical significance. Maybe as much. I mean, the the monk burning himself was that's big. a good one. Yeah, but I I think I think the guy with the gun is still the guy uh, in Tiananmen Square. Square. Yeah, in front of the tank. Was yeah. that a video or was that, that was a, a video? That was a video. They're all like kind of wartimey things. Yeah, I imagine that's just makes sense. The most yeah, most dramatic times. Important. Yeah, important events in history. There's the photo that the Hubble Space Telescope took. The first one of space. The really nice space. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you that mean the real... one where they focused on one spot? Yeah. Yeah. Where you see how many galaxies there really True. are. True. That's an important photo. That's an important photo. It's an important photo. Oh, the picture of the Earth from the moon. Yes. The first picture of the Earth from the moon, the Earth was mostly in shadow. The one that looks like the crescenty sort of thing. The Earth yeah. is like a crescent. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we're going <laughs> to see we're going to see what's what's what in the history of photography. We'll yeah. get a, we'll get a more established timeline, one that isn't based almost solely around war. Uh, but that's not bad. I like it. It works. I like I like it if it matches up. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll figure it out, and we'll, we'll the find war of eighteen twelve. First ever photo <laughs> for photo photography invented in 1812. Daguerreotypes. Daguerreotypes in France. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you when you see you. Goodbye. Uh, this is, yeah, You stay tuned for like a half second. All right, and we're back. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Talk First, <laughs> Think Later with Luke and Ezra. I'm your host, Luke, and this is my co-host, Ezra. Here we are drinking Dr. Peppers, eating lots of burritos, <laughs> and just, just having a good old time. <laughs> None of that's true. Really? Um, Some of it's true. What's true? This is Talk First, Think Later. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're back. We've done a lot of research about history of photography, and we figured out what we got wrong and what we got right. And we didn't get much right. We did a pretty good job, actually. <laughs> we didn't get much right. We did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get much wrong. We did a pretty yeah, good job. Yeah, we were kind of on point. We I'm on impressed. Point. I'm impressed with our... Because, I mean, I didn't know. We guessed good. For instance, our, our bounds, we, we said eh, 1800s is probably the yeah. lower bound for when photography originated. That was... About I mean, about right. It 1826 was... is the first photograph. No, Luke. That we still have. Let me finish my sentence. Okay, Luke. In 1816 was the first photograph by a man named Joseph Nisiphone Nipsi, which is not the way you pronounce it. Not at all. But anyway, we don't have the 1816 photograph, but we have one he took in 1826, which mm-hmm. is, like I said, a picture of a road, and it's really crappy, and yeah. you can't really see it. That's really crappy because it's made out of asphalt. Asphalt. Bitumen. Right? No. Bitumen. 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 That's how we say it in America. Bitumen. Actually, you can pronounce it either way. Yeah, but that's how we say it in America. Okay. Just pronounce it right, and then it'll make us sound smarter when you pronounce things right. The first photograph is called View from the Window at Le Grasse, Mm -hmm. and it was taken by a French guy in Burgundy. Anyway, his name was Joseph Nisiphony Nipsey. We talked about the camera obscura earlier. We were pretty spot on with what the camera obscura was. It is that pinhole thing I was talking about. This is the camera obscura. Let's say you're in a room Mm -hmm. and has four walls, a roof, 
and a floor. Yes. And there's a pinhole in one of the walls. And through that pinhole, light is coming from the outside, traveling through the pinhole, and it's projecting itself onto the wall, inverted. Yeah. You can actually replicate this today. If you just put a pinhole in your wall and you turn off all the lights in your room, you'll see a projection on your wall of the outside world. Yeah, so just turn out all the lights... It's got to be dark. It's got to be dark inside the room. Mm-hmm. So so turn out all the lights. Then uh, put a put hole some in blackout, your wall. Yeah, blackout curtains and then take that drill bit and, <laughs> and just drill a hole right through one of the walls. That's all it takes to try it out. So the first photograph was taken using this process. He had a small box and in that box was a bitumen coated pewter plate. He used bitumen because bitumen is a light sensitive material and bitumen is just asphalt interestingly Mm -hmm. enough. But when bitumen is exposed to light, say for eight hours or so, it's caused to harden. So what he did was he projected the image with the camera obscura onto a bitumen coated plate and after eight hours, when it was done being exposed, he used a solvent to wash away the non-hardened, non-light exposed parts of the asphalt, thus leaving an image, a rendering of what was outside his window, which was a road. And it's a terrible photo. Well, it's no wonder. You just dumped some asphalt onto a, <laughs> what, a silver and copper plate and then uh, called a it a day. Plate. A pewter plate. Which, wow. What is pewter? Pewter is a mostly tin with some copper and other stuff. So it's an alloy. So that was that was that was the first photo, or at least that's the the oldest photo, the surviving photo that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this technique that was developed by Monsieur Nipse was was pretty crappy, uh, and it wasn't <laughs> until his protege or his partner or you know, some guy who worked with him, <laughs> collaborator, associate, collaborator, yeah, yeah, his good friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's some good. Basically, we know he's a guy he knew and worked with a little bit. Yeah. named named like, uh, Louis, Louis Braille. I mean, I mean Louis Daguerre. Louis Daguerre. And this will not be the last French Louis to come up in this podcast. And certainly not the last French man. Yeah. The French loved their early photography. They were really good at it. Yeah. Evidently. I mean, they, they, they founded the field. The pioneers. Daguerre pioneered the rather egotistically named Daguerreotype. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the first uh, actually decent means of taking a widespread photograph. Widespread as Widespread. Well. Yeah, widespread. And, and part of the reason it was widespread was that Daguerre sold this technique to the French government, who, who in exchange gave him a, uh, a nice pension for the rest of his days and but the the french government in 1839 as a gift to the rest of the world distributed the entirety of the daguerreotype process and they relinquished the rights on on how to do it so big ups to the mid (laughs) big big ups to the big (laughs) to the big ups to the mid 19th century french government for that at the very least so good on them this is this is what you might recognize as old-timey black and white photographs Mm-hmm. Uh, are these daguerreotypes. You can probably just say, oh yeah, that's a daguerreotype and be right like 50% of the time. Yeah, if you know it's from the 1840s. That's uh, a daguerreotype. That's going to be a daguerreotype, at least the early 1840s. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in the late 1840s, there started to be a number of other processes. Things were happening fast. Technology. It kind of stopped being used around the 1860s. Uh, they would have been supplanted by a number of other techniques. So here's how it worked. What they would do is they would take a plate that was either silver-plated, copper, or perhaps whole silver or brass and someone would polish it to a mirror-like finish 
They would then expose that plate to halogen fumes to make it more light sensitive. Halogen fumes being made of bromine, chlorine, iodine. When this silver plate was exposed to these halogen fumes, it would create silver halide, which was a light sensitive material. And of course this was done in complete darkness so as to not expose it to light. Then it was exposed to the light from a camera obscura and it would take seconds or hours. I think it averaged around 15 minutes. Okay. The image was then developed to visibility with exposure to fumes of heated mercury. By the way, this is totally dangerous. Yeah, don't, don't. This, this does not sound good for <laughs> your health. <laughs> if you ever make a daguerreotype, use the right materials to not die. Yeah, um, some people still make daguerreotypes today because yeah. it's cool. Like, uh, what's her name? Sally, Sally Man. Sally Man with two yeah. M's. Um, and then in order to make the image stay, to fix the image, you must cover the silver halide with a solution of sodium thiosulfate. I don't know what that is. And then you would gild it with gold. You would put gold chloride and pull it over the surface. Then you would heat it with a flame, drain it, rinse it, and dry it. And there you go. You got your daguerreotype. Wow. Yep. That sounds very complicated, dangerous, and expensive. Don't do that. Yeah. I think maybe we could get our phones out of our pockets and take a picture that way. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would make it make an extension, make like an add-on for your phone. Where you that can just, take photos. Where you can take daguerreotypes. <laughs> <laughs> Using lots of dangerous chemicals <laughs> and a good amount of time. Uh, and silver is fairly important since various compounds made from silver produce these light-sensitive materials that allow us to make photographs Mm -hmm. in various ways and they still use silver and mirrors today um okay so let's move on in the history of photography i would say the next step would be uh color photography for a timeline that we've got going now we have Mm -hmm. 1816 as the birth of photography and then 1839 is the widespread adoption of of photography release it release with with the daguerreotype technique let's let's actually hold on let's let's side sidetrack here for a second i think this is a good time to bring up abraham lincoln okay because we talked we asked said was it daguerreotypes? Yeah. Was it, so we had a few questions about Abraham Lincoln here. Was Abraham Lincoln the first president to get his picture taken? And what kind no. of picture was that? No, it wasn't. The first photograph of a president was John Quincy Adams mm-hmm. in 1943. 1843. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't in office. The first president in office to be photographed was James Polk in oh. 1849. By the way, James K. Polk, real cool guy. I mean, not a good guy, what? but very interesting. But we don't need to talk about okay. it. Just know that James K. Polk is He invented polka dots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, we wondered who preceded Lincoln. It was James Buchanan. He was before Lincoln. He was the president. What do you mean? Before. Oh, right before Lincoln? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Just so you know. Right on. Nothing to do with photography. Yeah, no, it's good to know that, though. Lincoln, not the first president to have his picture taken, and not even the first sitting president to have his picture taken. His earliest photos were actually daguerreotypes before he was president in the 1840s, but later on that technique was supplanted by some some other techniques developed by, yeah, you guessed it, a, a Frenchman named Louis. Um, <laughs> the, the silver... The French were on it. They really were. The the French Louis, man. The French Louis were August on it. and Louis no. Lumiere? No, no, no. Those are the Lumiere they, they we'll talk about them with color photography. Oh. The uh, the albumin silver print is a technique for photography that was created in 1847 by Louis Desiree Blancart Evrard 
And this is what a lot of Lincoln's famous photos when he was in office were taken. They, were, they, they used this technique. An albumin print. An albumin print, yes. But there were daguerreotypes of Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Moving on in history. So that was just a little digression, but the next Big important step. step in photography was probably then color photography. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, and that was pretty soon after. 1861 was mm -hmm. what some people say the first color photograph. It wasn't a very good photograph. It was taken by Thomas Sutton for a lecture by James Clerk Maxwell. Clark. James Clark. It's spelled with an E. C-L-E-R-K. Yes. But it's pronounced Clark. Yes. James Clark Maxwell, and he's who, I didn't know this, but I would say he's the father of modern RGB theory, or RBG, what we use today in computers and in television, just the fact that all colors are made up of those three colors. That we see, mm -hmm. yeah. He based that theory on the young Helmholtz theory, which is by two biologists who say that our biological eyes only three th see those three different colors. So, so young and Helmholtz developed this idea that, that all color that we see, color perception, comes from our three cones. Comes from three types of cones. They didn't know that at the time. They were cones, these cells, but they theorized that what we were doing is putting together three colors and we get the perception of all the different colors that we have now. We can now. create our orange, we can create our purple. We yeah, can create and, our... and that is more or less how it works. Yep. We have three different kinds of cones in our eyes, S, M, and L cones, and those are for short, medium, and long wavelengths, and they correspond to different parts of the spectrum that they pick up better. So James Clark Maxwell based his idea of RBG on this biological idea, and he uh, created the first color photograph of a ribbon, and it wasn't very good. No. It was a very bad photograph. It's not very interesting it to look at. It's kind of washed out. Yeah, but the, all three colors, colors are there. Um, Red, green, and blue. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Oh, and so James Clerk Waxell, actually, you should look him up. He's amazing. I mean, he's the father of modern electromagnetic theory. I, I know somebody who is an electrical engineer, and uh, he has Maxwell's equations tattooed on his arm. So pretty cool guy. If yeah. You, if, you, if you, you know, have a tattoo of... If you're into <laughs> if you're into getting tattoos of equations, that's you pretty cool. Look him <laughs> if you guys like tattoos and you like equations, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, so that was the first color photo. It wasn't impressive. Like, sure, it was technically color, but it wasn't really anything to write home about. And there's probably many other things that you could say, oh, now this was the first color photograph. But let's just say that it's hard to say who really was first. Lots yeah. of guys were coming out with lots of different things that you could call color, not call color, or whatever. We couldn't tell you definitively, oh, this is the first guy. And at any rate, around this time, 1861, we weren't really there yet. And nothing too impressive was going on in terms of color photography. You didn't get these vibrant full colors like you do, you know, in the world when you exist. <laughs> Moving on. Unless you're colorblind. <laughs> Moving on. In 1898, Chromescope was released. It was developed by Frederick Eugene Ives. And that wasn't very commercially successful, but that was known as the first widespread color photography. And I'd love to tell you how color photography works. Um, it's something to do with emulsions and three different layers of the RGB that you stack on top of each other and thus creating these colors. But to be honest, I can't really wrap my head around I can regurgitate the words, but I don't really understand myself how it works. Well, what are some of the words? Regurgitate some of them. Emulsions. Good. 
RGB uh-huh. layers. Yes. Tri plates. Ooh, tri plates. Tri plates. Yes. They have like little lines of color and yeah. they had low fidelity and they stacked them on top of each other, but then they didn't and, and it worked. And wow. wow. I don't know how that, I don't That's know how cool. it worked. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't, I tried to understand it. I couldn't. So that's kind of all you get, guys. Well, well here, so that was one technique where they used those <laughs> multiple layers uh, mm-hmm. and each layer was was either you know red, green, or blue. Th- there's, there was another technique that was patented in 1903 by, hey, guess what? More French Louis, August and Louis Lumiere, two <laughs> brothers, and it was first marketed in 1907. And this technique was called the autochrome. And it's a little different from using these three separate filters. Instead, what they did was they had potato grains, Mm. starch grains. Mm -hmm. What this technique involved taking potato grains and dyeing some of them red, some of them green, some of them blue, and then splaying them all out and really just flattening them using an immense amount of force. And then somehow, again, because I don't totally know, but this allows each one of those to pick up the red or green or blue parts of the spectrum and it kind of looks like if you look up close, it'll be like an old tube TV or a monitor where you can see the different pixels and they're red and they're green and they're blue. If you put your eyes right if up to the screen. you put your eyes right up to the screen or like a pointillist painting. So it worked the same way as that same principle. It worked kind of the same way as that, yeah. You see when you zoom out as a combination of colors, but if you zoom in, you can see that it's composed of just red, green, mm. and blue mm-hmm. elements. Um, but yeah, so that's color photography. The the process you were talking about that was developed by, what's his name? The French guy? Oh. Your French guy? Frederick Eugene Ives, the chronoscope? Yeah, the chronogram? chronoscope. Chromescope. Was he French? Ives? I don't know. His name was Frederick Eugene. Probably French. I don't know if he was. Let's make sure he's French. He was American. No, Frederick Eugene Ives was American, actually. Nice. Cool. So, oh, he was a pioneer of television. A pioneer of television, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. He invented those 3D glasses. He invented those 3D glasses. Wait, no, those red and blue. No, no I, I'm just kidding. He invented the first no glasses. He invented 3D. Nothing. <laughs> didn't invent anything. He invented no glasses. <laughs> Yeah, so that so that that technique that Luke was talking about was developed by Ives was not really commercially viable Mm-mm. to the same extent that the autochrome process developed by the Lumiere brothers was. Mm-hmm. And so that I think will make for a handy segue into getting into the next era of photography and this will be the era of film. Film where photography. We, we move from not just moving pictures, but film. No, no, yeah, film itself. Mm-hmm. So we move from mostly these plate-based things, like the pewter plates that... Upon which the image resided. Right. To a gelatinous film that is is what we know and love today, mm-hmm. um, aside from, from digital photography. So so I think I think it's good to make a distinction between something that exists, <laughs> so <laughs> not to get too philosophical, but something that exists. So for instance, like the first photograph ever, mm-hmm. and then something that's commercially viable, let's say the daguerreotype being the first commercially viable something that we can recognize today well not necessarily not even just that but something that could become widespread mm-hmm. in some sense um that you could build a business around would be commercial viability but then also and i don't really know how to phrase this super well but like for something to be consumer ready or to be a rise to the status of like a household item mm-hmm. so like the daguerreotype wouldn't have been a household item 
them. Mm-mm. You know, that very few people had it, and they and they were specialists. And it was an involved process with dangerous chemicals and everything. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting to film photography, um, as initially developed by George Eastman, who then made the the Kodak company. Tell me now, about George Eastman. Yeah. Yeah, he was a cool guy. The name Kodak is completely made up. He thought that K's were a powerful sound, mm-hmm. and he didn't want a name that sounded like anything else. So he just kind of uh, was going, Kodak. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a direct quote, right? Yeah. Kodak. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. That was the birth of the Kodak company. So that's when they start getting to be more of something that could be in a household I mean, with film. Some people might recognize the first camera that Kodak developed, the Brownie, released in the 1900. The, the first really consumer viable a uh, box camera, camera, a nice box. It's, it's called the box camera. <laughs> Aptly named. <laughs> Here's a little tagline. Mm-hmm. Introduce the snapshot to the mass. So that's kind of now with the arrival of the 20th century and the Kodak Brownie. It kind of sounds like a bear, like a Kodiak grizzly <laughs> or something. Like, you know, Kodak Brownie. Kodak Brownie does sound like a bear. We're meandering a little bit. It's okay to meander. It's supposed to be entertaining. Is it supposed to be entertaining? Oh, yes, it is, of course. <laughs> I'm trying to add color. Like the Lumiere Brothers. <laughs> Bit of bit of a yeah. bit of bit of photograph yeah. history humor there. Oh <laughs> wow. Oh wow. But yeah, so so now in the twentieth century we get into the era of consumer photography. Mm-hmm. Of mass. The first the brownie, the first handheld camera. It yeah. was in production till the sixties incredible and it didn't require like 10 hours of exposure or even 15 minutes of exposure you could take a picture and then send it in to be developed so i think we can go from commercially available photographs to the advent of film well now we're we're talking talking about about film the moving oh movie film film. movie film Mm -hmm. okay yeah what about it well, the first movie, the first moving picture, some people say is the round hay garden scene, and it was by a Frenchman named Louis. Wow. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> so many Louis. The Frenchman was named Louis Le Prince in 1888, and he made something called the round hay garden scene. And you can see this video on Wikipedia, and it's short. It's like a second and a half. It's a guy walking around a garden, and there's another guy walking around a garden. It's really bad. Impressive. Not interesting. But the first one that you, like, could stand to look at was uh, by the Lumiere brothers. Louis Lumiere was the director <laughs> in 1815. Lots of Louis, man. In 1815? Yeah. 1815. That's, that's not right. 1895. <laughs> in 1895. But that's like three minutes of just some women leaving his factory. Um, and it's actually pretty there's good. There's a dog. And there's a dog. There is a dog. And a wagon. Some little horse-drawn carriages mm-hmm. are in it, too. Yeah, the first nice. uh, feature film was the story of the kelly gang that was 60 minutes long that was released in 1906 i talked about birth of a nation right you did woodrow wilson's favorite film and the first feature film neither of which i think are true correct i think a lot of people say ah yes woodrow wilson loved that film and he's reported to have exclaimed that it was like nothing has been more full of truth and i think that's just wrong i don't think he said that i think he made you no comment find, you couldn't find any, any reputable sources, for that? sources okay. no um but it was the first film featured at the white house no it wasn't birth of a nation was the first american film what was the first film featured? i don't know but that's what it said on it maybe it was 
but here's the thing I, I saw here. So Birth of the Nation was, was actually the first American film shown at the White House. But in 1914, the Italian film Cabiria had been shown on the White House lawn. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so in terms of a timeline, we went from black and white, plate photography. 1816. Then film. Ah. 1900. (laughs) (laughs) 1900. Then um, moving pictures, which was actually 1890. But anyway, it didn't get good till about the 1910s. Yeah, I mean, it can develop in different ways, right? Yeah. So the first digital camera developed by Kodak. Really? Kodak did the first digital camera, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Wow. It was invented by a 25-year-old man named Steve Sasson. It was eight pounds, and it had... 0.01 0.01 megapixels, 100 by 100 pixels. The information was recorded onto a cassette, and the image was okay. It was pretty good. Um, right. But it wasn't commercially released because they just couldn't figure out how to do it. How to make it economically. Mm-hmm. Fujifilm developed a digital camera in 1989, and then the Daikan Model 1, developed by Daikan, was made in 1990. The first mm-hmm. consumer digital camera is called the Quick Take 100, and it was released in 1994. It was developed by Kodak mm-hmm. on commission from Apple. Huh. Apple is ap- actually the publisher. And Kodak didn't really want to create a digital photograph. I think they were afraid of the technology. And rightly so. And rightly look so. look at the, the recent history of the Kodak company. <laughs> recent history being they went bankrupt in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> a, a nice 112-year run, Kodak. Not bad. No, not, not bad. bad at all. I mean, Polaroid made a similar fate, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Now we know today of what digital photography has become pervasive pervasive pretty much everyone uses it it's funny in 2012 Kodak died to the digital camera the standalone digital camera but then the standalone digital camera in a way also died yeah to the iPhone and other smartphones the cameras now we have in our pocket are just more than good enough for our everyday use I don't think we can use it to make a feature film and such you can have you seen the movie <laughs> have you seen the movie uh, Tangerine no, it's, think it's made by an iPhone. Yeah, it was shot entirely on iPhone. The, the <laughs> thing they is, they used a bunch of iPhones to make a big platform, and they put the better cameras <laughs> yeah. on. There. They made one giant camera <laughs> with a series of. Well, no, they they. I mean, they had like aftermarket like extra lenses and stuff for mm-hmm. the iPhone, but it was shot entirely with iPhones. And I'm sure it was pretty good. Yeah, no, it was a good movie. The standalone digital camera was killed by. Although I have a standalone digital camera. Right. I mean, if you're a professional. Yeah. If you're a professional, you. Have have those. But that's not, again, the consumer market. Those are what we consider the landmarks in photography yeah. from 1817 to Present. 2017. Yeah. 200 wow. 200 years. 200 years. 200 years of photography. On the button. Perfect. And now we can talk about some interesting things about photography. So yeah, so let's talk about some other stuff then that we kind of brought up in the past. So one specific question that we had was about Polaroids. Were they around in the 70s or the 80s? Or maybe we're totally wrong and they had them in the 60s and Mm -hmm. such. And I looked into this. Turns out that the Polaroid company had been around much longer than that. The Polaroid company was started by Edwin Land. It was started to sell sunglasses, interestingly enough. Hence Polaroid, they sold polarized sunglasses. But Land soon made uh, the first instant camera, or the first commercial instant camera in 1948. This is the Model 95 Land camera. Would you call that a Polaroid? It was technically a Polaroid because it was an instant ah, camera mm-hmm. manufactured by the Polaroid Corporation. Company. But what we think of today, or at least what I think of today, and what I think we were talking about, were the Polaroid cameras 
those where you take the picture, you press the button, and then the picture just comes out. You out shake it like a, a Polaroid picture. picture. Yeah, a hot, steamy pile of picture. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah you shake it and then you shake it like similar a to a yeah and then the picture is there and the first camera to do that was the polaroid sx70 uh and that came out in 1972 okay so, so there you're you right the 70s 70s were the first what we think of today as a polaroid picture polaroid. i think that's fair to, i think yeah. everyone thinks of that as a yeah. polaroid picture but but really the polaroid company and, and edwin land good kudos to him for making instant cameras in general because there were polaroid cameras before then that were also great that just didn't have the whole streamlined process Mm -hmm. i remember inquiring what those t-shaped things that camera holders you know old-timey cameramen they would hold up these t-shaped things and Uh, it would produce a bright flash anyway these t-shaped things were called flash lamps they were introduced in 1887 and what these t-shaped things held was a line of magnesium flash powder was made of magnesium powder and potassium chlorate and magnesium is a very bright burning and explosive substance. And so they would use this to flash the area and create enough light to capture the image in a quick amount of time. And this was very dangerous to do because it was explosive and dangerous and such. A safer method using an electric ignition was patented by Joshua Lionel Cohen in 1899. And this method was actually used by the Navy to blow up naval mines. Interesting little interesting little fact. In 1929 they made flash bulbs in Germany not France, finally. Um, there you go. And they were also used magnesium, but magnesium for the filaments. Who's they? Was it a German guy named Louis? It was, I don't know. It was just made in Germany. Okay. I didn't look it up. His name's probably Louis, though. Yeah. This was used until the 1960s when it was replaced today with what we know as the electronic flash. Nice. And the ones that are in your uh, in your camera phone are LEDs. So, so something else we talked about was say cheese and, mm. and say prunes. I don't think the prunes thing was real. I don't either. Okay. I, I looked it up and I see people mentioning it and repeating it. Like, oh, they used to say they prunes to say back prunes, in the day. But I found no sources. Yeah. The source on Wikipedia for this is a scientific article about, I don't even remember what. It wasn't relevant. And it, <laughs> it's somebody in that paper, in like the abstract, mentions, you know, they used to say prunes back <laughs> in the day. So there's, there's, there's no sources. There, yeah. I could not find... Uh, a source i checked like snopes or straight dope i don't know maybe maybe my research skills now did they say cheese of course (laughs) (laughs) someone must have because we are now and and yeah we, we 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 have found some early references to saying cheese as a means of contorting your mouth into a smile the earliest reference I could find comes from a 1943 article in the Big Spring Herald. Uh, the article was titled "Need to Put on a Smile." Here's how: Say cheese. You know what they say in Bulgaria instead of cheese? Gorosky biadie. No, <laughs> they say zele. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's z e l e, and you know what that means? Zele means cabbage. So they say cabbage instead of cheese in Bulgaria. Did you know that cabbage? The word cabbage. Uh oh. Comes from the word for head. So when you say a head of cabbage, it's redundant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know what they say in Korea instead of cheese? Kimchi. Kimchi. <laughs> Do you know what they say in Sweden instead of cheese? Skristibi. They say sag omelet. Sag omelet. Which means omelet. <laughs> <laughs> According to Wikipedia, I don't know what's. I don't think it probably means that. There's a way to pronounce it. Yeah, no, there's (laughs) definitely something there you can pronounce better. Uh, The Queen of England. Oh, the Queen of England. She's 91 years old as of right now, as of December 2017, and she has owned at least 30 corgis. believe we asked how many dogs she has. It's nothing to do with it. Nothing at all, but we did bring it up and, and thought that it was She has owned 30 corgis. She's owned 30 corgis and at least. sometime in like the 1990s, she broke up a fight with her corgis and she had to get stitches in her hand because one of them bit her. And there were, I believe, 10 dogs in that fight. <laughs> the article said. <laughs> broke up a fight between 10 of her corgis. Corgi fracas. Oh, man. And how do you love ten, 30 corgis? You, you don't. Yeah. I mean, how do you love all of your subjects as the queen of England, you know? Well, you got to. You're the queen. I know. So that's the same for the corgis, man. <laughs> I guess so. The first disposable camera was produced by Photopac in 1949, and it was made out of cardboard, and you took the picture and sent it in for development. It wasn't successful. Oh, no. Oh, no. The French company Fex made a Bakelite camera. Bakelite's plastic. It was very brittle. It uh-huh. was early, early plastic. Fujifilm made one in 1986 that looks like the ones you'd recognize today if you are over 20 years old. If you're under 20 years old, you might not recognize the disposable camera let's talk about some yeah, famous we talked photographs about that in the beginning part two yes exactly yeah. so what kind of famous photographs we talked about the guy getting right. shot yeah the guy getting shot very um, interesting story behind that it's called the saigon execution yeah and it came out in 1968 and it's right. by eddie adams that general shooting the uh prisoner in that picture his name is general when you loan i'm pronouncing that wrong but that's fine after he lost his leg he went to america and he opened up a pizza shop that's interesting well, that's a nice story Oh, I have a related story about another picture from the Vietnam War. This is the the picture that many of you may be familiar with of people running from napalm. One of the people running is a naked young girl. This is called the Terror of War, this photograph. The Terror of War, that's right. Aptly named the Terror of War. That napalm bombing uh, was unintentional. That was not supposed to happen. Uh, That's a case of friendly fire. So, So this girl, the reason she was naked was she was hit by napalm and had to get her burning clothes off of her and immediately after she was doused with water she had to be sent to a hospital to treat the third degree burns covering a lot of her body uh, eventually she went to medical school so so this girl is uh, is alive and well and she lives in canada and she's fine and she's got a foundation even nice that provides medical and psychological assistance to child victims of war photography really is important you know it's harder to dismiss photographs than it is to dismiss reading something. Like mm-hmm. you can read, you can read a story and hear about the horrors, but it's it's more visceral, more immediate to actually see these things. I think the Vietnam War was a source for such amazing photographs, like the Burning Monk. Yeah, the Burning Monk as well. The only famous photographs we've talked about so mm-hmm. far are from the Vietnam War, and they are powerful images. You want to talk about the most expensive photograph ever? Yeah, it's called the Rhine Two, uh-huh. and it's a photo 
a digitally edited photo of the Rhine River. It was taken in 1999 and it sold for $4.3 million in 2011. Now let me tell you something about this photo. Yes. It's very boring looking and not interesting. Agreed. And he digitally edited out a dog walker in a factory. It's like cheating it to me. It is like cheating. If you're gonna like, if that's the most profitable photograph, it better not have been digitally edited in yeah. my opinion. I kind of agree. Like and he it- printed it out. How do you buy a print just print another one print it out i mean if he digitally edited it he had to you know there's a he's got it saved on his computer somewhere you're right it's it's it seems a bit silly to me yeah and he has other photographs that are better yeah they didn't sell for as much andreas gersky has plenty of beautiful photos that are great and someone decided to spend the most on this terrible photo of the rhine river and we don't know who they are because they purchased it anonymously presumably because they were embarrassed (laughs) by their poor decision (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, am I purchasing this photo? Uh, what an idiot I am. $4.3 million mistake that I intend to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I talked about the picture of that potato? Yes, the potato. Ah, so there was a picture of potato that sold in 2010. It was taken by Kevin Abosch, and that sold for $1 million. It was just a potato on a black background. Was it like a potato in space? No, just a black background. So he just took a picture of potato. But does it was look like, oh, like wow, a potato that's a in space? Mil- it, no. What a shame. <laughs> anyway, cameras are amazing. We have them in space. We, we have do. the Hubble telescope. We, we have them deep in the Earth and the ocean. Yeah, we have them on Mars. We, we have, have them on Voyager. Such deep space. Yeah, it's amazing. I really appreciate photographs, especially Moving looking at ones. them on the internet of puppies and such. Ah, uh, yes. Looking at pictures of puppies is probably the best thing to come out of photographs. I like kitties more. Sorry we couldn't cover the entire history of photography, but, I, but we did a good job. We did a fine job. And you know what? If you want to learn more about the history of photography, just look up French Louis. And I'm sure <laughs> that there are plenty more that we've glossed over who made fabulous contributions to yeah. the history of photography. Yeah, French Louis. I, I mean, Louis Braille, Louis Pasteur. They are great scientific Louis. King Louis? King Louis the 14th. And presumably the 13 ones before him. (laughs) (laughs) I think we actually did a good job on making our guesses about photography. Our guesses were not that bad. Mm -mm. I'm surprised. But anyway, folks. Thanks for looking. Thanks thanks, for listening. Thanks for taking a gander. I'm Luke. I'm Ezra. Goodbye. We'll see you in a week. Later days.